0: Have you ever wanted to hold a world record? Well, how about having 25 world records? In today's episode of the Five Core Life, host Will Moore sits down with Steffi Cohen 25 times. That's right, 25 times world record holder, talk about how you can build a business from your passion, the top two habits that have led to her success and getting those 25 world records, and what it is that you can apply in your own life to become your own world record holder. If you haven't already, go ahead and pound that subscribe button so you get notified when new episodes of The 5 Core Life air. Are you ready to fire on all cylinders? If so, let's go.
1: Well, there she is. Hello. Hi there. How are you? good how are you i'm doing good i hope the communication wasn't an error on our end i know you guys wanted to confirm earlier i don't know if our team got back to you on time
2: no 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 we're good sorry i was running a little bit behind
1: yeah no worries we were just yeah. just chatting taking questions and stuff so thank you for being on great to see you of
2: course thanks uh, i
1: will repeat i was just kind of introducing you 25 time world record holding power lifter first woman in the history toward to deadlift 4.4 four and a half times basically her weight And you know, I mean, you've got—you're an author. You're a PhD. I believe I read that you're physical doctorate in physical therapy. Is that right? Yep. -hmm. Uh, My wife as well is that. So we we got some stuff to talk about there. It's a very interesting field. So so that's kind of just the ten thousand foot view of who you are. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your backdrop and your story, and how you got here, and you know, kind of starting it maybe your childhood and what brought you to this point where you're this insanely awesome beast of a (laughs) powerlifter. Of course. So I was
2: born and raised in Caracas, Venezuela. I lived there until I was about 18 years old. I played soccer for the national Venezuelan team. So I've always kind of identified with, had a strong identity with being an athlete and was kind of like my dream when I was a little kid. So I came to the States to pursue a scholarship in soccer initially moved to San Diego and ended up transferring over to Miami to be closer to my family. It's only a two and a half hour flight from Miami to home. So that made a little bit more sense given the period of time in my life that I was at. So yeah, it was, it was challenging, you know, being an immigrant and being in another country by myself, trying to figure out the language, the culture, the ways that, that we were being tested in school, Obviously, like socially as well, trying to find my kind of my place in society. So I decided to stop playing soccer, which, by the way, is one of my biggest regrets now. But um, I feel like if I would have had a little bit more encouragement from maybe like my coach back home or my mom or something like that, I would have stuck with it and and figured out a way to like make both things happen, you know. But I was young and it is what it is. So as soon as I stopped playing soccer I kind of began it, this quest of I call it discovery phases. I wanted to find another sport that I could be good at because I wasn't ready to give up on my identity as an athlete and not train and just focus on one thing. So I bought myself a triathlon bike. I did eight half marathons in a year. I bought myself some gloves, tried kickboxing, a skateboard. I eventually landed into a CrossFit gym because one of my uh, Classmates, his name's Noah Olson. He's he's a big time CrossFitter, and trained at a gym that was three miles away from school. So I started going there and really fell in love with kind of like the shared suffering team training that CrossFit provides in the community. That was exactly kind of what I was looking for. I I didn't really I tried joining a sorority. Didn't really feel like I found kind of people that were like me until that
1: point. So sorry to interrupt and, you. Let me ask you: During this time, were you? So when you were just discovered this CrossFit, so physically, were you always kind of muscular and and like with a strong frame or did that, is that something that you transformed yourself into?
2: Uh, well, I didn't really know because even though I played for the national soccer team back home, we didn't have access to high-end facilities, high-end training facilities. So I had never lifted a weight in my life until I started classing. But my baseline level of strength was pretty high. You know, the first time I maxed out squad was like, around 200 pounds which was decent for somebody that weighs 100 pounds so i kind of you know going into crossfit i kind of knew that i had an aptitude for strength sports because of the speed at which i was acquiring those new skills and the speed of progress like the rate of progress those were kind of my two indicators that maybe there was something there for me and obviously i was enjoying it so right so that's kind of how I got into the world of lifting weights. I got um, picked by a national uh, Cuban weightlifting coach and he pretty much told me that if I wanted to and if I dedicate myself to a sport that I could make it to the Olympics and that was pretty enticing for me especially because of the dreams and aspirations that I had as an athlete. So I started training with him, kind of transitioned out of CrossFit, did that for about Four five years was able to get myself to being top three in the nation and was had a promising career in weightlifting, but I went to graduate school, and I just couldn't do both things. You know, I got I got kicked out of grad school after my first semester and had to like write an appeal and everything because I was so scattered between doing two training sessions a day, just trying to balance everything out. And grad school is you know that involves you're a professional student at that point. There's there's very high, high expectations of yourself of that, that your teachers or professors are expecting from you and the workload is insane. So I, it just got to a point where I really couldn't do both things. And it reminded me, it took me back to that like soccer time, right? Where I was again encountering this, this kind of fork in the road where I had to choose, mm-hmm. okay, do I focus on my professional development academically in my career or do I focus more on my sport and you know see what happens with my career? I remember going into the Appeal with the Committee of Academic Review with with my professors, them pretty much telling me that I had to pretty much make a decision of whether I wanted to be an athlete or a student, that I wasn't as strong as a student as I thought I was, that I was going to have to give one of those up. And I don't know if it was the situation or my past experience with a similar situation or the way that things were said to me, but I just couldn't take that, you know, I just couldn't accept that. So instead of retiring from lifting weights, I or from weightlifting, I kind of in my mind put it on hold and started started looking at alternate ways of training, which is kind of how hybrid was born. In my business. So in the American weightlifting is pretty adverse to doing any movements that are outside of the snatch and clean and jerk. But Western weightlifting, Bulgarian Bulgarian system, and, and so the Western style of training, um, so the Eastern side of training is more focused on strength. So that's kind of how I landed in powerlifting and focusing more on, on strength. I kind of said, okay, well, I'm gonna put the you know, the Olympic movements aside for a short period of time for the next three years. I'm gonna practice them as often as I can, but I'm just gonna focus on building my strength base as much as possible for the future. And that's kind of how I landed in powerlifting and how hybrid started. So hybrid is the business we started about five years ago. Um, Initially, it was, you know, we we created our own platform to distribute online workout programs that were centered around strength in an accessible and affordable manner. And that grew really quickly uh, and organically. We we weren't like using marketing or advertising much. It was just kind of there was a definite need in the market and in a Genuine interest for this particular style of training that we kind of came up with, which was looking like a bodybuilder, lifting like a weightlifter, like a powerlifter, and moving like a weightlifter. So that kind of caught people's attention and, and it grew really fast. And you know, we had like 5,000 members after a couple of years that were using our platform. And pretty much every year thereafter, we built another vertical to our business. So we started with just selling training programs, then we added nutrition coaching, individualized nutrition coaching, uh, and expanded our, our software, our platform. Then we added apparel, then we added a gym, then we added a second apparel brand, podcast, YouTube. And we've just kind of like been building up on that. And now we're at a point where we're no longer coaches. We are really in the IT business. We are in the software as a service business. You know, developing our own app. If you ever come visit us in our headquarters, we have ten software engineers that work full time with us that are there all the time, wow. supervised by one person. Yeah, and our team has grown from being just me and my partner Hayden to sixty people over the last yeah. five years.
1: That's great. Right. Yeah, I would seen know, I I had, my story was similar where I we started a restaurant delivery service. where you have where you live, do you guys have like Uber Eats and these types of companies yeah. where you can order food? yeah so and and, uh they you know it started with me and my business partner out of his guest bedroom and and then you know we were we did everything and then we grew and then in the end we ended up exiting and selling and we at that time we had we had 19 branches we had thousands of drivers um, we had you know tons of managers so it was neat so I, i can relate to that that feeling you get there's no better feeling of creating something from scratch right and then just taking it up and up and, and seeing it grow and seeing people responding and liking what you're doing and uh,
2: what's uh, crazy to me is I don't know how your like how your development was with your business, but obviously we had big goals, big aspirations for what we wanted hybrid to become, but I honestly never thought that we would reach the size that we did, you know, like and that's something that I wish I had known prior, just how to set up systems and organizations to support the, the rapid growth of the business because that's something that definitely bit us in the ass as time went by, just the lack of obviously like for, formal paperwork that you know binds employees or that you know has non competes and or that states specifics about each job requirement. And obviously, you know, that, that kind of is, is keeping track of everything that's being done so that in the case that someone has to leave the transition between employees is more seamless.
1: Right. It's funny. I I, I know my uh my team member was on here earlier who was helping coordinate this. Uh Jay, I don't know if you're still on, but systems is a huge word in our company. It was a big part of my last company. And I learned the hard way just like you did. You know, we we kinda didn't really know what to expect and you know, we sort of set it up and it was our first business and we said, Okay, well, you know, we'll we'll do what we think are the things we should do, but we didn't take any real courses or read books on how to like kind of set things up so that you can exponentially grow without a ton of friction, right? So it's like, I'm sure you've experienced what we did, which is you, you'd start to grow and then all of a sudden you get whacked with an obstacle or something that you weren't expecting. And then that just stifles your growth and you got to spend time dealing with it. And then, so now. Every business I set up, including this one, more momentum and and, and what I'm doing here. We have these different aspects, podcasts and social media and the app and the website. And each one has systems associated with it. And everybody that comes on our our team knows what's expected of them, what their their role is. And we have accountability measures and, and, and goals and making sure, okay, if we get to this goal, are we prepared? Mm-hmm. And are we able to you know be able to handle it? So mm-hmm. sounds like you've maybe started getting to that point as well. Yeah, big thing. So tell me more about so this book that you wrote. when did this come out? Uh,
2: I think yeah, earlier this year or the beginning of this year, back in motion.
1: Okay. And what was the impetus of it? like what inspired you to write it, and you know what was the the process of going through that? was it was it a lot longer than you thought it would take shorter? difficult easier
2: it it was less difficult than i thought it was going to be writing a book seems like such an impossible task especially you know i don't know i have you know my favorite authors I i look up to them as they're as if they're gods and sometimes i don't understand how they can sit down and write so many pages you know but i did it the same way yeah and and it wasn't that bad but um no essentially i wasn't in graduate school my first year of PT school and I think like the combination of just being extremely stressed out from tests sitting down for 14 hours a day studying and in class and trying to be competitive at a sport that that demands so much physically of you I just started having awful back pain but not like debilitating back pain where I can put my shoes on I had a hard time like dressing myself, I had to ask for help for that. I was like failing practical exams at school because like I couldn't bend over and do things to a wheelchair or or demonstrate certain things. And obviously I didn't want to just stop lifting. So I began a quest for trying to find what the, you know, an answer for that issue that I had. And what was interesting was that, you know, when you go to a doctor's office or a physical therapist office or a chiropractor's office, you are essentially appealing to their authority on that subject and trusting that they have the answers for you, right? Like, you, you look at them for those answers. And when they don't have them, you know, it kind of bursts your bubble a little bit because you are relying on them to, to help you, to get you out of pain. So I felt like I was a little bit disappointed in the inconsistencies of diagnosis, both diagnosis and treatment when it came to my own vaccine like it just seemed to me that that it was mostly speculative science rather than specific and objective you know it's like the only i I guess the only frame of reference that i have to compare it to because i've never been injured is i don't know if you have if you have a headache then there's like these three particular causes that might be causing your headache and then they give you these three pills that might help you and you try them and one of them works you know Whereas like in physical therapy, it was just the gray area was so much bigger than I than I thought it was and so inconsistent that, I, that it was disappointing. So nothing would get me out of pain. Nobody would give me an answer that made much sense to me. You know, they would say things like my, my pelvis is shifted to the right and that they could feel the one inch rotation in front or that I had one segment in my spine that was hypermobile causing this that, and the other. that i had vertical and plate fractures i don't know all these like crazy diagnoses that just didn't make sense to me so that's kind of what led me to just start doing my own research just out of just because i was curious and because i i figured that if i had all those questions and if i had all those struggles with my own back pain then there's probably a lot more people that are on the same boat so it it honestly stemmed out of curiosity and a genuine desire to help other people i never planned intended for it to be a money maker or anything like that it's gonna be a 16-page long pdf that was gonna come out in conjunction with a back under the bar program that was going to be released through our software and i don't know every time that i was about to release it i always felt like there was more information that i needed to put in there to kind of bring everything together holistically about fast pain because it's, I realized that it wasn't only about structuring and mechanical damage of a particular area of your body, but more about beliefs, perception, and your experience with pain. Right. So 16 pages turn into 20, turn into 30, and turn into a, a whole book. So that's pretty much how we got there.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I always admire people that just they just do it and they write it. I, I've been writing a book for 25 years. Uh, just, <laughs> I've gone the opposite way. I, I like started in college, and I was like, okay, there's something here, and then I just kept tweaking, and then I went a different direction, and now I'm like at the point, and then I just I had another career in my, my business, and mm-hmm. I just kind of didn't really work on it, and now it's like, all right, I want to finish it, but it's just so much information. I'm a note-taker. I'm a crazy note-taker. I'm constantly scribbling. I used to be scribbling. Now it's like notes in my phone. Like If something comes to me or I notice something in the world, I'm like, okay, yes, I need to that's that's the truth that's the universal principle I need to document that and so now it's like an overwhelming amount of material that I'm like okay how do I put this in because as you know when you as you self, you said you're a reader nobody wants to just read facts right people need yeah. personal stories a story it needs yeah. to be interesting
2: for sure having a co-writer helps a lot that's one of the things that that made it so much easier for me being able to share that
1: yeah that, that's that's great yeah that's, that's very fortunate to have a co-writer for sure um i'd love to have somebody take some of this burden off my on my plate but i'm gonna get it done it's one of my <laughs> big missions so, so with the phd in physical therapy so when did that happen
2: so i graduated in 2018 yeah it was a three-year program and because of everything that i just told you i just honestly just didn't have a i didn't have a positive experience with school or the profession Enough to convince me to to go into clinical practice, so I actually never took my licensure exam, and that was a tough period time actually, because you know I got out of school, I had spent so much money and so much time for three years, and then just thought that I was never going to use it. I, I felt for a time, for a time, short time period, that that I had wasted my time. Right. Uh, and then when I stopped feeling sorry for myself, I try to figure out ways to actually use the degree and create the job that I want for myself. And that's how actually this is another branch of hybrid. It's the hybrid education, which we have like master classes that I write using the knowledge that I gain in physical therapy. So I love teaching, I love being in front of a camera, I love being in front of an audience. I love helping people and I love spreading truth and debunking myths. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the last two, three years is uh writing scripts writing master classes finding creative ways to teach people stuff so if you see any of my IGTV videos they're like three four minutes long try to make them engaging and entertaining and yeah. try to to take a dry complex topic and turn it into an entertaining easy to understand bits
1: so i would say you're gamifying education i yeah i was talking about this a little bit before you came on and it's been a big theme of what i've really been because it's I, I, I'm gamifying. I'm trying to gamify people's wellness. I mean, you're you're more specific in terms of like the, you know, the the physical side of it. Whereas you know, I, I have these five different cores: your career and finances, your relationships, your mindset, your physical health, your emotional health, and giving back. And I'm building this app. I was talking briefly before you got on about you're the spaceship, and you have these five core cylinders of your engine, and you are fly up, and there's going to be asteroids, and there's going to be. Meteor is your in, in an encounter and you got to continue to stop the bad habits that you have and replace them with success habits. And so, you know, but what you're doing is, is kind of a similar thing in that you're making it fun and interesting, which is really the key, taking bland, dry, boring topics, which is not easy to do and make them exciting. So that people want to learn about them. They want to watch. And I mean, you look at your Instagram page where you have like stuff 1 million followers. Um, You know, a huge engagement on on your posts. Clearly, you're you're doing something right. So kudos. Mm -hmm. You've done a good job there. So speaking of habits, I kind of always like to talk, uh, ask people. It could be one or it could be multiple, but maybe a couple one or two failure habits that you had. At the beginning, you know, you said you struggled a bit coming out of college and and not knowing really what you wanted to do and you were playing soccer, you didn't really have like that that guidance or and then, you know, you kind of sounds like you met this coach and he kind of was like, Okay, I believe in you, you can do this, right. And then you kind of that sort of helped propel your direction to where you are now. Were there habits that you had before, you know, during that rougher period that you since have now replaced with let's call them failure habits versus success habits?
2: Honestly, the the one that comes to mind is procrastination. But the thing is that I thought for a long time that it was a failure habit, and then I realized that it was actually just the way that I operate. Like it's, you know, would I have been better off, I don't know, studying for a longer period of time for my test instead of like cramming at the end? Maybe, but that would have meant that I would have trained less. Maybe I wouldn't have achieved my my athletic goals. So I think I'm a procrastinator out of necessity and it's just like the way that my, that my brain is happiest is being scatter, scatterbrained,
1: scatterbrained
2: and just multitasking, leaving shit for last minute and then having to be under pressure to complete a task.
1: Somehow everything gets done. You know, that's a, that's, I like how you put that. I've never had somebody answer to what you just did, which is very unique. You're basically saying it's the same habit but you it's how you looked at that habit so um procrastination right i mean you know there's the Pareto principle the 80 20 kind of like the whole if you have less time to do something you actually are much more efficient right like give somebody a week to write a paper in school and you know they'll take a week give them like two hours and they'll write it in two hours and (laughs) Oftentimes, the two-hour version is just as good, if not better, than the two-week one, right?
2: Exactly. So, exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not always the case, but there's definitely um, a lot of truth to that. So. And
2: I guess the other one, you asked me for too. I guess the other one would be just uh, like order,
1: organization.
2: I think that when, you know, I used to be really messy back in college, and I felt like that kind of permeates into other areas of my life. So I... One of the quotes that most resonates with me is how you do one thing is how you do everything. So, you know, at the most basic level, like folding your clothes, making your bed, making sure your car is clean at all times, looking presentable. Just those basic kind of like human behaviors (laughs) need to be present so that you have a, a concrete base from which you do everything else.
1: You know what i love that you know it's so true like the more organ i call them that me- there's these messes in our life just even like your, your your desk at your office or you know just your garage being need to be cleared out like when you have all these messes in your life i think it makes it really hard to to feel just like you know on top of things and and kind of gain that that momentum like you feel like oh, i gotta clean this i gotta do this when you're able to kind of stay organized and kind of clean house and stay on top of things, it just frees your mind to focus on the things that matter.
2: 100%. And I guess like that's an area of procrastination that I don't allow myself to have. If I wake up, I make my bed. It's like it, it just kind of now it's automatic. Wake up, I make my bed, I take my clothes off, I put it in the bin, I wash my clothes, I fold them. No, I just, I don't procrastinate on those things.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a fantastic habit, right? It's just like brushing your teeth. It's like, you, you, once you do it, once you start making your bed, once you start folding the clothes, it becomes automatic and it's not even a big deal. So, exactly. um, well, thank you very much. I know you're busy for being on the show. This was fantastic. I appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us and dropping some wisdom on our viewers. And do you have your own podcast as well?
2: I do, yeah. Hybrid Unlimited. I would love to have you as a guest.
1: Uh yeah what are you guys what is your top what are the topics that you guys do?
2: Unlimited.
1: unlimited everything
2: and, everything and anything
1: all right well i'd love to come and talk about the five fours i'd love to do That's it good. and gamification okay i'll re- we'll, i'll reach out well this has been Don't amazing thank you so much steffi have a wonderful day and and we'll you talk too. soon all right thanks for Bye. everybody for coming on Bye
0: that's it for the five core life. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that like button on this video and pound that subscribe button. So you get notified when new episodes drop. Also, please fill out the free five core life evaluator quiz. It's a great way to get a baseline of where you are in the five cores and which of the five cores you need support. In addition, you'll get some actionable advice that you can apply and start improving your life in the areas that you need it most. That's it for today's episode of the five core life podcast. Have a wonderful day get moving gain momentum join the movement join emmett by going to moremomentum.com to take a free life
1: evaluator quiz on where you currently stand in each of your five course